Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, 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 welcome to the show tonight. How's everybody doing? There, done pushing buttons. My name is Charlotte, and I'm going to be your host. Um, I am the owner operator of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team at www.californiahaunts.org. We're based out of Sacramento, California. Um, we're 35 strong. Got I got members up and down the state of California. We've got people in Washington, Oregon, Nevada, and Hawaii. Anyway, it's good to see everybody. I hope you're all having a good evening. I know I am. I told you I stopped talking about the heat, and I did, because I'm happy. My leg is doing much better. Now I'm feeling it more at my at my hip and stuff, but uh, at least that uh, is doing a lot better. And i got to give I gotta give credit a little bit of credit to the gentleman that was on last night with the Demoli Stones. Um, after I did the show, I got he called me and uh, did a healing on me. And I think maybe that's what it is, because my old broken body, you know, is starting to heal pretty fast. So it was pretty impressive. Anyway, I want to thank you all for coming tonight. You can find the California Haunts team at www.californiahaunts.org. And you can find this show at www.californiahauntsradio.com. Our guest tonight, Dave Bennett, uh, a.k.a. is Dave the Mystic, came on last minute for me. I'm real excited to have him. He was scheduled to be on next month. But uh, Jennifer Wallens, who was supposed to be on this evening, um, she had some real bad weather back east, and it knocked out all her internet and phones and everything, so she could not do the show. So uh, I, I went ahead and uh, emailed our guest tonight, and he graciously said he would come on last minute, and so I'm really, 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 really indebted to him for that. So anyway, um, like I said, starting next month, we're going to be going four days, four days a week with this show. It's going to be a Monday through Thursday show. So I hope you guys look out for that, and uh, hopefully we can keep getting some really cool guests coming in. I keep saying hopefully. I don't know. I'm, really, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and without further ado, let's get to talk to our guests. Hello. Hello. Good evening. How are you? Uh, fine. How are you? Doing good. One little correction. I'm Dave Barnett, not Bennett. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm, I'm horrible with names. I apologize. Dave Barnett. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I misread the thing. I apologize. Dave the Mystic. I got Dave that the part Mystic. right. Yeah. So DaveTheMystic.com is uh, the website, so it's easy to find me online. Uh, Fantastic. You, you know what? I, I want to thank you over and over for coming on tonight because I know it was last minute. Oh, no no problem. Uh, I had a gap, so uh, it, it worked out just fine. Fantastic. Tell us about you. I, I, I know you're you're a special guy. I mean, you're, you're real smart. <laughs> You're like the guys I used to date. You're like the one guy I dated in high school, real smart. But tell me about you. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I uh, my my woo woo friends joke about me over the past ten or fifteen years of being uh, Clark Kent and Superman because uh, I have a successful career that I've pretty much finished up now as a rocket scientist. I'm an electrical engineer. Uh, I worked at Lockheed, Boeing. I uh, worked for uh, consulting companies in, in Texas uh, associated with NASA. Uh, I did all that. But uh, starting in 1983, after um, 
uh, a wonderful event at my 10th high school reunion where I met a guy who um, he, he beat around the bush when he found out that I'd become an electrical engineer. And uh, it turns out he, he was kind of embarrassed, but he has a special gift and he can modify electronics in a big way. Every time, every time he tries, he gets an effect. He can stall cars in traffic. He can wow. scramble marquee signs on hotels. He showed me that he could lower the output power at the FM radio station where he was working as a disc jockey. Uh, and although I was open to mystical phenomena, it really forced me to return back to uh, Denver where I live from Wichita, where I grew up, grew up and dig into it. Uh, there are a lot of big questions there. I felt like the big hands had come down and kind of encircled me and said, we're going to give you a demonstration in your field of expertise that you can obviously see can't be faked. And uh, what, are you, what are you going to do with that knowledge? And so in 1983, I very much got on the bandwagon of taking psychic development classes, uh, taking uh, energy healing classes. Uh, I took therapeutic touch at that time, and I've taken seven or eight more since then. And also channeling and uh, working with Ascended Masters. And that just kept moving forward and forward. And uh, I had a intense period of uh, study and development from 2003 to 2007 when I had some Air Force research and development contracts and I didn't need to work a day job. And uh -huh. again, the voice came in my head and said, you have all the time you need, all the money you need, go learn everything you can about healing. And so uh, I used those four years to great advantage and learned a lot of modalities and a lot of gifts really started showing up, such as working with past lives, uh, doing things like the energy and entity clearing that I do, um, other things. Uh, so I, I felt very uh, honored and almost humbled by uh, what the spiritual plane uh, sent my way and sort of expected me to bring into the world and offer the world. So um, I, I've had two careers now, and I'm, I really feel like I'm getting full time into the second one over the past couple of years. There you go. When you first started to um, experience things, did, did it shock you? It, uh, it was done piecemeal. I've had uh, incredible demonstrations of one-off things by the spiritual plane. Uh -huh. uh, one, of the, one of my favorites uh, in terms of if they're going to demonstrate something to me, how cool is that? Uh, uh, I, I really work a lot with parallel universes, even when I'm healing. I find that people have parallel existences, and those existences can be living in dire straits and reach across the veil and affect the person here. And when people say, well, how do we know that they're there? I've experienced the parallel universe, and I'll tell you how it happened. Uh, my wife and I were invited to go to an art gallery on a first Friday event, which is says that they're open for sidewalk strolling right. from, from five to seven. And uh, the friend uh, of mine who was the artist, uh, she's also an intuitive. And so we went down to this storefront. It's in an outdoor mall. And uh, my wife and I showed up about 5.30, walked in. Sure enough, we saw Sophia's works hanging, and she was one of three artists being featured. Uh, we looked over her stuff, but no Sophia. Uh, looked over the other artist stuff, still waited for Sophia to show up, mm -hmm. snacked on the carrots and the you know, celery sticks, and we noticed that the owner was sitting over the table to one side with a young guy taking photographs of all the guests. So we would have to assume that we were in some of the photos. Uh, after 45 minutes, uh, we gave up and said, well, maybe Sophia had a personal emergency. 
and we left. And that night I sent her an email and said, you know, it's pretty cheeky of you to invite us to your gallery showing and you don't even come. But several weeks later, she writes me and says, Dave, I found your email very interesting because I was there in the gallery the whole time. And she wow. said, not, not only that, I talked to the owner and we went through all the pictures of guests and you and your wife didn't show up in any of them. So we were in a parallel universe that was almost identical, except Sophia wasn't in ours and we weren't in hers. And we had witnesses. We had a camera witness. Uh, we had my wife as a witness. So it wasn't just Dave imagining it, you know, saying, oh, wow, I think I kind of stumbled into something. Mm -hmm. No, we, we had two-way witnesses that we were in a parallel universe, and it didn't coincide with Sophia's. That's fascinating. Absolutely so, fascinating. So I've had lots of events like that in my life that... Uh, you know, I, I look back and I can see the logical pathway of the stepping stones to get me to this point. Mm -hmm. But if you'd pointed out in 1983 that this is where I'd be today, I'd, I would have run from the room screaming because um, <laughs> the, the stuff I do, the the places I go when I journey into the spiritual plane, the, uh, energetically, the ETs I work with, all these types of things uh, would have been totally foreign to me back then. And I needed to do it incrementally. I, I I couldn't have been dragged, kicking and screaming and have it, the fire hose stuck in my mouth. It would have been too much. Well, you know what? I know a lot of people that take psychic development classes and they get frustrated because I teach, when I teach it, I teach it at a real slow pace because people can't open that door too fast. And, you know, like I try to tell them, it's not all going to be, you know, sunshine and light coming through. That's right. That's and if right. you open that door too fast, you're going to have a lot of stuff coming through you're going to regret. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. or getting comfortable with the idea that when you do uh, this type of work and you're starting out, you really do need to set boundaries. You need to set intentions. You're only going to work with the spiritual plane or higher. You're only going to work mm -hmm. with high vibrational spiritual beings. Uh, mm -hmm. You certainly don't want to open the door for things to come through from the astral plane or other mm -hmm. places. And uh, essentially... At the very least, they're going to uh, fool you. They're they're going to con you, give you uh, some true, some not true information. Very worse, they might try to latch on to you, and you may have a heck of a time getting them off of you. And that's mm -hmm. that's one of the scary things when uh, teenagers are playing with a Ouija board is Absolutely. they're they're opening up to realms that uh, shouldn't be opened. Uh, it's not healthy. Have you seen those Ouija boards now? They sell and they're pink because they're designed for little girls. Yes, and I've also seen the pendulum form of Ouija boards where you, you swing the pendulum over the letters. And um, let me just say this to the listeners. Uh, we don't need Ouija boards. And uh, in the hands of beginners, they're dangerous because they don't know the protocols for protecting themselves and discerning. Mm -hmm. And experienced people hear complete sentences in their head from spiritual beings. So why would you slide a little thing around on a board and have to take right. the time to write it down with a pencil? So experienced exactly. people don't need them and beginners shouldn't use them. There's, there's other ways to uh, develop these gifts and uh, with a little bit of safe supervision and advice. And uh, so, you know, if you have a Ouija board in your house, uh, go throw it away. It's just, <laughs> it's just not a, a good divination tool. I agree 100% with you, 100%. Let's talk about the parallel universes now because, I mean, you brought that up. Sure, and sure. That's absolutely, to me, that's absolutely fascinating. What? You know, you know, I always wondered, you know, like with the 
ghost as, as ghost hunters, you know, because I have a ghost hunt team. What we're contacting because you know how some of us, some of the stuff we get on EVPs is garbled. And yes. I've always wondered if it's because we are going into a parallel. You know, they, they, what we're getting, what we're contacting, is in a parallel universe. It, it, it could be. Um, my view on parallel universes, when I explain it to people, is when you go through life and you make significant decisions, you may, uh, if you choose A, if you choose to marry Bill, uh, mm-hmm. you may spin off a copy of you that marries Ted and another copy of you that stays single. Uh, so your higher self can get the experience of all the options. And uh, one time I asked my guides, I said, well, uh, does this mean there's 10,000 Daves out there because of all the decisions I've made? And they said, oh, no, they're laughing. They said, it only takes two to 300 to cover your choices. And uh, so that's one form of parallel universe. There are other things going on, too, though. You're going to hear uh, some people describe uh, uh, timelines, time loops, things like that. And uh, so sort of the idea there is, say you have a friend who has uh, cancer and it's, they've got dire prediction of what's going to happen to them. Mm-hmm. One form of healing, as some people may do, is to see about moving that person to an alternate timeline where they don't have the cancer, but the timeline is close enough to ours that we don't feel like we have somebody disappearing or, lose, or are losing them. Uh, and yet we've shifted the reality enough that they can heal. So... Uh, there, there, there are a, a lot of things going on. And another thing going on with the time loops is uh, if you have one of those little Hot Wheel tracks, you know they can have a loop-de-loop in the middle? Right, right. Okay, so if I had that track next to a straight track that didn't have the loop-de-loop and we started two cars at the same time, the car on the straight track would finish first because the car on the loop-de-loop did the loop and, and then continued. And... Um, there is a possibility that some people either accidentally or deliberately do a time loop where they are still accomplishing things, feeling like they're moving forward in action and reaction, and yet they end up at the same point and they haven't accomplished any clock time, according cool. to our standard. And so um, there's a possibility that uh, some people occasionally hop on one of those accidentally, deliberately, who knows, and they may have some extraordinary experiences that they can't puzzle out very well. Is that why um, we might run into our doppelganger? Yes. That's one of the reasons. I, okay. I've seen mine. That was another one, one of my extraordinary experiences. Uh, I was with uh, my, my wife and uh, daughter, future son-in-law and his family. We were in Las Vegas in the Luxor uh, Casino, and we were on the upper part in the atrium. And we were waiting in line for the standard tourist thing in one of the 3D uh, shows. And they're just trying to open the door. And I look, and about 30 feet away, there is my doppelganger. There is identical Dave. Same clothes, same glasses, same straw hat, everything. And I couldn't get out of line to go talk to myself. Uh, it was very frustrating, and I never saw that again. But I did check with several mediums who I, I trust their talents and skills. And I said, mm-hmm. uh, did I really see uh, a copy of myself? And they they listen. They say, "Yeah, we we had a, a an overlap of a parallel universe that was so close in vibration that yes, you did see yourself, and it will probably happen again." Uh, as far as I know, I, it hasn't, but but it could. I saw mine. I was I must have been about twelve years old. I think I was uh, I was in an airport in uh, France. Uh huh. And I saw mine. You know, I couldn't do anything because my family was with me. But I, I definitely saw myself. 
yeah. dressed the same way the whole ballgame, like you talk about. Mm-hmm. It was an incredible experience. Yeah, it's uh, it, it makes you sort of stand back and say, what is going on here? I, I'm, I'm not sure how to process this concept. Uh, it would have helped if I could have gone and spoken to him, but maybe the circumstances were deliberately set up so that I couldn't because uh, mm-hmm. maybe there's one of those things that comes out of Star Trek where, you know, there's a distortion in the field and you don't want to, uh, you know, touch or something. You know, you right. might blow, blow up the neutrinos or something. Uh, one of those. Well, there's also that legend in Europe. Um, I forget what country it is that if you look in a mirror and you see yourself looking over your shoulder. Okay. Then death is imminent. Hmm. I haven't heard that so, one. I, I guess I've never seen anybody looking over my shoulder in the mirror. Me yet. neither. I don't want to see anybody looking yeah. over my shoulder in the mirror. <laughs> I have no desire. Yeah, well, you know, we were talking about Ouija boards. You bring up mirrors. Uh, right. Mirror gazing is another one. Uh, when people do scrying and uh, S-C-R-Y-I-N-G, uh, it's root word for describe, uh, mm-hmm. to write. Uh, scrying is looking at crystal balls, but it's also mirror gazing. And uh, both of those, again, you need to have discernment and set boundaries because just right. like uh, Alice through the looking glass, uh, if you mess around with mirrors and you start playing with magic on them, uh, you can open doorways into other realities that allow things to come through that won't be pleasant in most cases. Absolutely. Um, this parallel universe thing fascinates me because I'm wondering, cause you also do work with aliens, correct? Yes, I do. And yeah. do, do they travel in parallel universes? They, they use a variety of means. Uh, when, when I've traveled and looked at uh, the Pleiadians uh, spacecraft, I see these things look like a big oval egg and you sit inside and it looks like a, a comfortable room with a padded bench and no visible controls. And Mm -hmm. they go from there to here in a matter of minutes. And when I've gone and looked on Syrian spacecraft, it looks like high tech. It looks like something out of Star Trek or Star Wars with all the controls and all the gadgets and gizmos and wiring and piping. So Mm -hmm. it looks like a very technological approach to getting high speed, you know, from here to there. Uh, mm-hmm. versus the Pleiadians, which seems to, um, there's something mystical and energetic about mind control and mind power uh, that allows them to transport. And uh, they're, they're also ETs. It's kind of surprising. They, they, uh, they're mostly energetic. They can incarnate when they want to or when they need to, uh, and they can do it at the blink of an eye. And so I've seen those in uh, when I go work in the spiritual plane with uh, spiritual beings and uh, people who are in spirit, I run into ETs there. And it's because it's just a different vibrational level. And these ETs who are mostly vibrational and not incarnate can pop in and out of, quote, what we call our heaven. And when I first discovered that, it, um, I really had to think about it for a while because I, I was raised in a household and my dad was an engineer plus being an Episcopal priest. And, you know, you, you kind of, you don't realize how much culture you have that heaven is our heaven, our people heaven. We don't expect to see greys and Pleiadians right. and, and others who look different from us in our spiritual heaven. Uh, and yet they're, they're just as much a, a child of God as we are with the spark of the divine. So, uh, it took me a while to get used to it, but now I'm, I'm comfortable with the idea that there, there are ETs who show up in our spiritual plane, uh, what we call our heaven, and uh, they help do healing. Uh, 
they, they help me do a lot of work. They help me do clearings. Mm-hmm. Have you have you have you spoken with them about the future at all? Uh, some. Uh, my view of the future here is that uh, Earth is uh, a rough and tough planet. Uh, the whole history of Earth, uh, going billions of years back, has always been that it, the plan was this is going to be a challenging place for people to have moral challenges, other types of challenges, and to grow spiritually very rapidly, much faster than any of the ETs can grow spiritually. And uh, it was never designed to be uh, sit on the beaches in Tahiti and drink little parachute <laughs> drinks or little parasol well, That drinks. leaves me out then, darn it. Okay, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so uh, we're, we're here, and I think we're coming to an end game pretty soon. We're, we're going to have some big shifts, and so uh, some people walk around and look at, oh, my goodness, you know, we have – COVID, we have wars, we have excess population, we have mm-hmm. climate change. I look at it and just say, you know, um, this is an opportunity by design for people to uh, come out of their bunkers, come out of their video game paradises and uh, participate in the world and mm-hmm. uh, get morally involved and, and grow. And uh it's, uh, I tell people it's kind of like the sorting hat in Harry Potter. You're going to self-select whether you're going to Slytherin or Gryffindor. And I think we're coming up to that decision point pretty soon. You know what was so fascinating when everybody was on lockdown was how clean everything got. You know, how yes. clean the, the, the rivers and streams got. You know, it just, and, and the animals came back to take over what, what they had before. Yeah, I mean, you look at Venice and Venice without all the yep. the boats and the tourists and everything. Uh, the water's cleared up. They got a lot of marine life in there they hadn't seen for a long time. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of cool things happened. Um, you know, there's there's just an awful lot of people out there who think that um, the the little elves and fairies uh, come out at night and clean up after them and pick up their stuff. And uh, I'm I'm particularly disappointed in a couple. Uh, trash disasters, and one is uh, a lot of the homeless encampments. Uh, uh-huh. They've closed some down here in Denver because they become rat infested, and they're they're needle stockpiles. And uh, the other one is uh, all the people who sneak over the border from Mexico. Whatever your thoughts are on that, they leave right. a trail of trash behind, and uh-huh. it's uh, it's uh, it's horrific. Um, so there's things like that, but the oceans are full of all the plastic and all the netting, and uh, they're starting to come up with machines now to scoop that up and process it and turn it into raw plastic stock again. So that that's a, a very positive sign. Uh, this that oil spill is. is disappointing, but uh, I think they'll corral that pretty quickly. And there's a lot of uh, Native American legends about you know the uh, about the future too, where the animals are going to take the earth back at some mm. point. Yeah, well, there's always Planet of the Apes, too, right? (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not those animals, but yeah. (laughs) That would be scary. That would be definitely scary. We don't be in a zoo. How cool is that? (laughs) Yes, we we, we don't need baboons with guns. No, 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 thank you. No. But yeah, I don't think think that's quite what they meant, but yeah. Yeah, so who knows, you know, because it seemed like, like I said, it seemed like with COVID – People got to look at what the world could be. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, going back to parallel universes now, like you said, there could be 300 of you out there. Yes. Does that intimidate you at all to think that there's that many that, that, that many Daves running around? Not really. Uh, 
Let's see. Are, is the audience seeing this, uh, the video yes. too? Yeah. Okay, so, so I can hold up my hands and show things. Yes, go for it. Okay, so uh, let, let's pretend this is you, uh, your soul flying through the universe. You have this sort of ring of, of wingmen flying with you in your parallel uh -huh. lives. And uh, you also have a cloud of lives in your past lifetimes. I view past lifetimes as still ongoing. I think they're moving forward in their timeline just as we are. And uh, I'll explain the experience I had with that to help me justify that. And you also have a cluster of future lives in front of you. So it's kind of like you're, you're flying in a big cloud uh, of uh, a swarm of different facets of your life, gaining experience and doing all this. And uh, your mind was blanked when you were incarnated and you were born. And um, it's sort of up to you to have spiritual experiences. So you recover that knowledge of your relationship to the universe, to the creator. And also uh, what's going to come along with that is your knowledge of all these other lifetimes that are surrounding you and enhancing your experience and doing great things for your higher self to gain experience. Cool. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'll tell oh. you about the, the, the past lifetime. Go so, ahead. Um, so one time I'm meditating and they said, Dave, we're going to take you uh, to one of your past lifetimes. And it's a little Hindu holy man out in the woods in India. And it's seven or eight centuries ago. And his name is Sri Ananda. I said, cool. And uh, so they dropped me down and I'm walking up this little forest path between a row of trees. And there's a little campfire with a little man by it in a, a little hut. And I walk up and I said, oh, so nice to meet you. You're Sri Ananda. You're one of my past lives. And he busts out laughing. And he goes, no, no, no. He said, you're one of my future lives. Whoa. And it's like, Okay, that's what clicked for me is that those lifetimes are ongoing just like ours. Uh, a beautiful analogy for that is uh, let's say that your, your whole life path for your soul looks like a, a river with a whole lot of twists and turns. Uh -huh. And your, your lifetimes are like on little boats at various points on the river where none of the boats can see each other. But if you get lucky and you find somebody with a hot air balloon to take you up, you can look down and you can see all these little boats at the same time and you realize they are all moving forward in their own timeline, doing their thing for their lives. It, very interesting. Very interesting. I wanted to ask you, um, since you've been doing this work, and I've noticed it the past, I would say the past four or five years. See, I have a thing about the TV shows because all they show are, are people that are having negative entities in their in their homes or, or it's always a negative entity somewhere. Yeah. So the phone calls we get are people that believe that whatever's in their house is negative. Have you seen an increase in negative activity? Oh, yeah, yeah. In, in the past, uh, well, 2012 was a major turning point for uh, the amount of clearing work I've had and the number of entities that I find when I go through my worksheet doing the clearing. And uh, so that's a major, major bend in the curve upwards. And... Uh, in the past several years, I found that the dark side is starting to get clever and create new forms of dark entities um, and increasing the power of them. For example, uh, we all know what totem animals are. We, we talk about Native American totem animals, the power of the hawk, the beaver, the elk, that type of thing. 
in the past several years, I've been finding that there are demonic forms of totem animals showing up in properties and uh, harassing people. Um, another one I find is, uh, you know, um, now I'm very sensitive to the idea that throughout history, we have a horrible track record of uh, killing women suspected of being uh, witches. And uh -huh. uh, the vast, vast, vast majority of them were either a little bit senile or they had a property and they were a widow and somebody wanted to steal the property or they were herbalists or healers of some type that the local churchmen disagreed. And so they were easy targets. And uh, the latest counts from going through the city and church records in Europe is over 100,000 women uh, were killed uh, for witchcraft. And there are some towns that were proud because they killed every single woman in town. So they felt they'd purge the, the problem. Uh, but on the other side, there were some truly nasty, evil women uh, doing very harmful things, co-opting other youngsters to be their apprentices. And uh, when those witches would die, the uh, last thing they would do is go to the light and say, I want to go, <laughs> you know, I don't want to go meet God. You know, I'm a big, bad witch. Uh, this is not good for me. So I stay in the astral plane. Well, in the past several years, I've been finding that the dark side is now uh, making copies or cloning these uh, truly nasty, evil, dark witches, and uh, they are spreading more of them around now. And so I'm running into those when I do clearings too. Uh, they're they're showing up. Yeah, because see, at first I thought it was the TV shows because you know they're people see that stuff and you know it makes like it makes an imprint on them. So right away, you know, when they get activity in their house, they think it's something dark. Mm -hmm. But there's just so much of it coming up that you can't deny it. You know, there's just so many reports of it. Yeah, when I talk to high spiritual beings and talk about what was the original concept for the planet, and they talk about this uh, uh, consciousness that was created to provide evil for the planet, and it's supposed uh -huh. to be limited. And if we just say there's an imaginary gauge that says how much evil is there here, uh, the answer originally by design was somewhere around 3%, whatever 3% means. Um, when I go and check with uh, the spiritual beings I work with now, they say, gosh, it's up around 30% and we're trying to get it back down. It is The amount of evil on the planet is much greater than was ever designed to be here. Now, does evil have a role here? Absolutely. I, I like one of the Joseph Campbell statements where he says, and he borrowed it from somebody else, that, Evil provides the rungs on the ladder for us to push against when we climb to the light. Uh -huh. uh, it gives us a challenge. It allows us to grow. And um, one of the funny things that some people who uh, have some extraordinary spiritual growth processes have is they think they've grown up to here and uh -huh. they find out the dark things are now at this level. Uh -huh. You know, you, you don't get to climb the mountain of spirituality and sit on top and say, oh, look at all those poor people down in the jungle. They're really suffering. No, when you're at the top of the mountain, there's going to be dark things at the top of the mountain. They're going to challenge you at your level of understanding spirituality. Uh, you don't magically escape it by going up. Uh, the Dalai Lama doesn't magically have, you know, the lack of evil around him because he's functioning at such a high level. Uh -huh. uh, he has challenges that are commensurate with his level of functioning. And that, that's true for everybody. Well, I was going to say, I mean, going through life, don't we need a balance of good and evil? Yes, we, we do. And, and one, of the, one of the fundamental things, 
uh, and this has happened and it's been in a lot of uh, fiction books, the idea, let's, let's pretend that we had no evil on the planet and we had a spiritual community and outside on the, the wall of the compound it said, folks, it's really easy. There's only two rules here. Uh, one is um, you need to wear a hat in this community. Uh, we think that that's a, a respectful thing for the creator. And number two is um, you need to um, you need to wear a dot on on your right hand, and and that just indicates that you, you're uh, you're following the spiritual rules here. Nothing else. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. There are going to be people who show up there, and over time they're going to start finding ways to discriminate and say. Well, I know you're wearing a hat, but you aren't wearing quite the right hat because it's come to me that the hat we should wear has black and white stripes on it, and you just have a plain one-color hat. And, oh, by the way, the dot on your hand should be red. Yours is brown. You're not in compliance. You say, but I am in compliance. The sign always said, wear a hat and have a dot. I'm in compliance. And people will take that lack of structure and rules and turn it into more and more sophistication of parsing down things. And uh, if you need any evidence of that, look at all the contradictory rules on vaccinations, you know, with COVID and, and all the different theories and, and how many people get slammed because, oh, you're, you shouldn't be posting on, online because, you know, you don't understand. It's, it's that type of parsing that says, you know, we really need a, a separate external source of evil so that we can unite on condemning it and working against it rather than having to come up with some type of discriminator that says I'm better than you and allowing the ego to come out. Absolutely. I was just going to say, um, do you think the atmosphere in the world right now, you know, with all the fighting amongst everybody, you know, like you say, these, these opinions everybody has, is, is, is that creating even more evil to come in? Is we're opening the door for it? Oh, yeah. Uh, dark entities feed off of uh, the dark emotions. They love it. I mean, we're, we're charging their batteries. We're, we're enhancing them by uh, having anger, rage, hatred, uh, annoyance, uh, all the standard dark emotions. Uh, it just charges their batteries. We're, we're hooking up the jumper cables to them right now. Incredible. So what happens when somebody comes to you and they think they have an attachment and maybe it's an evil thing, how, how do you handle it? Well, I have a standard clearing process and uh, I have a worksheet. And in the first call, uh, the person has a copy of the worksheet. I have one and uh, I tell them what to put into the boxes. And I include all the, the people who routinely live at a house, uh, the pets, the vehicles, and uh, all the buildings on the property. So if they have external sheds that are detached or garages, uh, we include those. And we, we go through the worksheet and uh, identify all this stuff. And then uh, between the first and second phone call, then I do the, the clearing on it. And I also usually get additional information. And I give that to them in the second call. And then in the second call, we also talk about now that you're clear, how do you stay clear? And I give them uh, protection methods uh, both for themselves and for their buildings to um, keep the stuff off. So, uh, yeah, I, I do have a protocol there. I do all my clearings remotely. Uh, I did my very first one remotely when I was on vacation and somebody called me and I'd never done it. And uh, it worked just fine. And I, I've always stayed with that. And I, I tell people, look, if, if I do it remotely, 
Uh, it keeps it inexpensive. I can do it anywhere in the world. Uh, I don't allow the dark things to get on me at a site. Uh-huh. And I also don't give them any warning that I'm coming. Uh, so they don't get a heads up and, and try to go hide and, you know, avoid me and then come back when I'm done. And how long does it take you to do a clearing? It probably varies, right? It, um, they, they actually go pretty fast. Uh, you know, I, I've, I estimate I've done over 3,000 clearings now. Uh, wow. And uh, they, they do go pretty fast. And I, uh, so the, the phone call with the person, the first phone call is an hour. And then uh, I'll probably spend a half hour to an hour doing the clearing between the first and second phone call. And the second phone call is usually a half hour. And the third phone call is maybe 10 minutes. And uh, so I, I take care of it pretty quickly. Can you tell me about any cases that, that you've done without mentioning names, of course? Oh, sure. Uh, let's see. Well, I, I have an interesting one uh, today where uh, I was approached by a person whose uh, spouse died several years ago, and she is trying to sell uh, their business property, which is a big warehouse, and apparently he is still hanging around. And He's uh, interfering with stuff. He's interfering with security systems there and, and things like that. And uh, so that will be one that I'll, I'll probably be working on in the next week or two uh, to take care of. But I, I, I get a lot of people. Um, well, I, I'll talk about the very first one because I, I think it's fascinating. Uh, so I'm in Las Vegas, and this woman calls me, and she says, I, I live in a suburb of Denver. And... Uh, I'm married to my second husband. We have two little kids together, and he has a uh, a daughter who's living with us who's 16. And she said, both he and the daughter absolutely cannot find out that I'm doing this kind of work uh, because the daughter would probably use this excuse to run home to her mother. And uh-huh. uh, that would really upset the apple cart. But what was going on in the house is uh, she'd walk around and something would walk up behind her and say her name behind her head. Uh, if she was in bed, it'd come over and press down on the covers, and her little four- and five-year-old were seeing witches flying out of closets. And they got a really good deal on the house, and then they found out why. After they moved in and the neighbors uh, finked on the, the realtor, It's uh, the previous owner was an older guy, and he's a recluse. He wouldn't talk to any of the neighbors, and he ended up hanging himself in the basement. Yikes. And so, sure enough, I, uh, in my very rudimentary way, because it was my first one, I, I went and I, I found his energy and uh, got him out of there. Yeah, sure enough, he was hanging around. Well, about two weeks later, she said, you know, most of it was gone, but now it's starting to come back a little bit. And uh, another gift that came through for me uh, back around 2005, 2006 was um, I was taken by spiritual beings uh, in a meditation through a trap door in uh, at the courtyard of a castle. And we went down what looked like a passageway in a dungeon. Uh-huh. And we walked down the hallway and we came to a wooden door and opened the wooden door. And there was somebody strapped to an apparatus being tortured. And I said, what am I supposed to get out of this? And they said, this person is in their own self-created hell. Uh, when they died, they believed in a hell. They had an image of it. And they... Uh, died believing that they belonged in hell. And the, the creator says, okay, if, if you have an image of it, you think you belong there, shazam, yes. Uh, uh, you can be a co-creator and create that reality. So they're, they're in an illusionary hell. 
And uh, they said, we want you to develop a, a protocol for getting these people out of these illusionary hells and getting them back to the spiritual plane where they belong. And uh, so I, I cleaned up this person and put him in a fresh robe, took him into a, a conference room that I just created through mental power to the side. And we sat and we explained the reality of it to him. And then uh, I put a torch on the wall and I said, well, take the torch, go look through that doorway and see what you see now. And they opened it and it's just a void. There was nothing out there from where they'd come from. And so wow. then they understood that it was an illusion. And then uh, we had them escorted to a spiritual plane. I did a little ceremony to reunite them with family and friends and make sure there was uh, forgiveness for anything that they might have done to other people that they were fearful of. And uh, I, I've been doing that type of thing ever since. I found it's also true for people who believe that there's a limbo or a purgatory and moving those people out of those uh, realms because that's what they expected when they die. So it happened. So that's a little segue. So going back to this clearing, I found that this guy who hanged himself had put himself into his own hell. And out of that hell, he was still connected to the house in, in a strange, energetic way. And so I got him out of that hell and I got that connection uh, taken care of. And the next time I talked to the woman, she said, uh, it's wonderful. She said, everything's gone. Uh, the house feels great. And that kicked me off on, on my career of uh, doing clearings. So huh. um, I find a lot of strange things. I find uh, ET bases, recently a, a house where they're having a lot of problems, a lot of problems with electronics and other things. I found that there's a little uh, a miniature ET base on their property. They had like 20 or 30 acres. And uh, there's like an underground garage for that would hold one spacecraft and a number of ETs. And they didn't seem to appreciate the fact that their energies on that property would affect the people living on the surface and uh, doing things. And uh, it was really messing with the house and with uh, the people's energies themselves. And so I got some other uh, ETs, a very high level that I work with, uh, to come down and uh, help them move on and, and clear out their stuff. And uh, so that comes out occasionally in clearings too. That brings to mind Skinwalker Ranch. I mean, you know, with what's going on yeah. there and the high EMF levels they have that they'll pick up on, then they disappear. Then they, you know, then they're there, mm -hmm. then they disappear. Yeah, I, I'm aware of that. I haven't, you know, just sat down and watched the shows in, uh -huh. endlessly. Um, so uh, I, I know there's a lot of energies there. Uh, some of those things, uh, you know, between uh, some of the... Uh, Oh, the, the explorers, uh, the people who go in and, and do uh, ghost hunting and stuff like that. Some of those uh -huh. TV shows have enough energy that I've had to do clearings where entities have come through the show into people's houses. And uh, just because the, the energy is so strong. And I've also seen it occasionally off of the Internet when people are, are looking at stuff on the Internet that's paranormal. And uh, th they'll get entities into their house that way, too. So I'm I'm careful and selective about what I watch on TV. I, I quit watching horror movies in high school. I think there's uh, sort of uh, some desensitizing energies there that uh, some people might do things uh, as perpetrators because they are desensitized uh, from uh -huh. watch too much of that stuff. Um, well, I've been to movies where I know, you know, where I'll have an empty seat next to me and it might be a movie about like, say the others. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've known where I could feel something sitting next to me. That's not there. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think they like to check out those movies. <laughs> uh, 
Well, again, what's the audience reaction? Fear, startlement. What are they doing? They're charging up their batteries off of you. Mm -hmm. And they may also, in some cases, if they're earthbound spirits, they may be looking for people who have a compatible energy to slip into. Uh, there's a lot of earthbounds who are addicts uh, or addicted to something, whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever, and they go to venues where they can find those people. So a lot of bars have earthbound spirits of people who are drinkers. Uh, they're hoping to find a match. They get into their field, and if the person continues drinking, they enjoy it vicariously through them. And so you also find a lot of them at AA meetings. And why do people fall off the wagon after an AA meeting? They may have an earthbound around them that's saying, let's go drink, let's go drink, let's go drink. And uh, they, they find it too hard to resist the temptation. Is that kind of like the old wives' tale your mother would tell you about having the good guy on this shoulder and then the bad guy on the other shoulder? <laughs> Just a tiny bit. But uh, <laughs> um, the, the earthbounds uh, themselves, a lot of cases, they're going to view themselves as harmless, but they aren't necessarily harmless because they're drain your energy. Um, I, uh, I respect people who do uh, ghost hunting, and uh, sometimes I'm called in because, uh, and I do it long distance, uh, uh -huh. because some of these earthbounds start getting protective of properties. And uh, I've had a couple where they're uh, either tripping people on stairs or pushing them downstairs because they either think they own the stairwell or they think they own the building, uh, like, uh -huh. uh, you know, very old buildings and uh, uh you know, we have some gambling towns here up in the old mining towns, and there are a lot of earthbounds wandering around those towns doing things. Uh, some of the casinos have videos where the casino was closed at night, and you see the machine slot machines being played and, and dishes, <laughs> dishes being thrown around. And um, medium friends of mine say, yeah, when I look at that, I, I see a bunch of old miners in there that are still hanging around. They come out at night. Yeah. Why not? Why not you know, party, party why not? time? Yeah. That's their heaven. <laughs> you know, being out there. At yeah. the slot. That's funny to think it's a minor playing slots. Mm-hmm. Some old grizzled guy. Let's talk about heaven. I mean, you, 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 you kind of talked about that a few minutes ago about people's vision of heaven. Is that yes. what happens when you die? I mean, I mean, you know, like the different religions sometimes, you know, uh, you're met by your loved ones, you cross over, you have to go that you know, through that judgment thing, you know, where you see your life pass before you yeah, and all that. But is that what, what really happens? I mean, or, or is it like, like you say, is it something like I believe in a heaven, so therefore that's where I'm going to go? Yeah. Your, your view of what the afterlife looks like will greatly influence your initial experience going to uh, the heavenly plane. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of people are used to these stories, especially from near-death experiences. Well, uh -huh. you know, I saw a light, I went through the tunnel, I did this and that. I knew if I went all the way through the tunnel, it would cut the silver cord, and that would mean that my body would die, and I'd, right. I'd be going on. Um, but the common experience for a lot of people is you go to the spiritual plane, and it looks good, and over a period that could be days, weeks, months in our calendar time, um, you repeatedly visit what's like the super uh, man cave of video where you get to uh, look at your life in review and sort of uh, go back to the original plan you had before you incarnated and say, how well did I do? Did I accomplish these tasks? Can I check off the boxes? Uh, uh -huh. Which ones don't work? And uh, if you had a, a harsh life where you treat other people poorly, uh, you may have some experience where not in a punitive way, 
but but in a way to help you understand you may get to stand in the other person's shoes and feel their emotions of what they went through when you treated them badly uh, that type of thing now if you uh, have a, a very uh, superficial understanding of heaven like uh, you get in a lot of uh, conventional churches, you know, uh, streets paved with gold and uh, the pearly gates and, you know, people walking around with harps. Uh, you may be in an environment that looks like that for a while. If, you, um, if you're an Orthodox Jew and you go to the spiritual plane with the concept that, uh, you know, I, I know what Yahweh is, I know what Yehovah is, uh, I know what Elijah is, you know, as a prophet, and uh, you may end up living in a community that's very much shaped to Orthodox Jews until they they lose the need to sort of define what religion looks like and, and uh -huh. lose the or lose the concept that man defines God through religion rather than God defines man and man chooses religion to try to puzzle it out. And uh, same thing may be true with uh, you know very strong uh, Muslims. It may be true with uh, fundamental fundamentalist Christians. Uh, so if, if you have certain concepts that you think this is what heaven is going to be, this is what it's going to be like, blah, 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 yeah, you may encounter that. Just like the people who think, gee, I've been a horrible person, uh, I murdered somebody, uh, I'm going to hell, and you know, hell's fiery place. Yeah, welcome to, welcome to your hell. You know, the universe said yes, and uh, you wanted to create that hell, so uh, you're welcome to it. And when you're ready to be done with it and say, help me, help me, help me, Angels step in and say, well, you could have left at any time just by tapping your heels together and saying there's no place like heaven. Um, you know, so it's uh, it's interesting. There's also a lot of fringe dwellers. Uh, did you ever see that uh, movie with Robin Williams, uh, like uh, what, li or what life yeah. makes or whatever? Yeah. And, and there were people who are in the mud up to their necks that he's trying to walk around them. Uh-huh. That exists. That is part of heaven. And there are a lot of people who are in these dark, uh, gray, black and white, stone, dirt areas because they went through life and they had no concept that there's an afterlife and they had no idea what to expect. And so that region reflects their view that they don't know what to expect. And so there are a lot of volunteers from the nice part of heaven who go down there and talk to them repeatedly to try to encourage them to grow spiritually so they can see the true potential of what it's like to live in uh, the, the true paradise of heaven and not, not in these dismal places. That's not, you know, the, the, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. But, you know, and uh, my question here is that, you know, as a ghost hunter and working with various psychics on the mm -hmm. team, you run into uh, these spirits that are afraid to even go through the light. That you know that, that yes. are afraid to pass on. Why? Why is that? Um, once again, they're afraid of the unknown. They're, uh -huh. they're, uh, a lot of them may have an idea that you know you have this vengeful, wrathful, jealous God. That's um, gee. No matter you know, th think of the messages we still get out, get out of a lot of churches, and uh -huh. I won't name them, but one starts with the letter C, where. <laughs> No matter what you do, no matter how much you're forgiven by the guy at the front, no matter how many things you do to absolve yourself of your sins, you're still fundamentally a sinner. 
you're guilty of the original sin. You're guilty of what came out of Adam and Eve. You're you're not even qualified for the immaculate conception. You know, you have a dirty conception. Um, you know, all these things. And uh, so you take that fear of God, you know, with the old time meaning of fear rather than respecting God, but truly being fearful of God. And you, you apply it to people who died in the old West, um, a lot of them are going to be reluctant to, you know, they say, gosh, I drank, you know, I, I used prostitutes. I screwed around. Uh, you know, I had a good old time. Um, and I was told I was supposed to fear God. Well, yes, I do fear God. And uh, I can't go there. And so they are going to be reluctant to be escorted, no matter how persuasive you are. And uh, so I'll just tell you, frankly, when uh, I, I used to negotiate with these earthbound spirits when I first started clearing and I kept coming across the same mundane stories over and over and over about their backgrounds and and their uh, concerns and fears. And I finally got just got to the point where I, I have a fairly expedited system for just uh, moving them to the spiritual plane. And I I justify it by saying, you know, if I if I came across a, a homeless guy laying in the, the ditch and uh, he was blotto and uh, look like he had some serious health conditions, I wouldn't negotiate with him and say, you know, we could probably get you into the VA center or maybe we get you into a detox center or maybe you go to Rose Medical Center or uh, maybe we get you down to step 13 downtown, you know, for uh, rehabilitation. What do you think you should do? They're not in a position to make decisions about something that is way above them at that point. We would just take care of them. We'd throw them in the you know, paramedics, would grab them, throw them in a, the van, and, and take them where they need to go to to get healthy treatment for them. And and I kind of view that as the same way. I, that's how I see earthbound spirits. They they missed a boat. You know, the white light came when they died, and they said, "Gee, I don't know what that is, but that train isn't for me." And you know, if they are that confused about what spirituality is, then uh, I don't feel an obligation to. Uh, give them uh, a chance for informed consent uh, to go. It's just, it's time to get them back into heaven where they belong. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so I just, I just move them. Now, when, when somebody dies, when, when they first get to their heaven, is there an adjustment period that, they, that, that, that they're going through? Yes. And uh, it can vary in length and it can vary in intensity. Um, say, say somebody uh, is crossing the street, just out of the dark, boom, a truck just creams them and they're dead on the spot. They're dead right there. Um, and they didn't see it coming. There's no expectation, no chance for preparation or anything. Uh, in the spiritual plane, they have sham hospitals and it's called cocooning. And uh, people are placed in a hospital setting. They, they wake up in the hospital bed. They're bandaged. Doctors are coming to check on them. Nurses are checking on them. They have some visitors. Flowers show up. And it's giving them a chance to psychologically decompress from their earth life and the shock of that experience of being knocked out of their body. And uh, this process may be allowed to go on for a day, two days, a week, a month, three months. And then when they're finally prepared, then they say, you know, you've probably started tumbling to the fact that this doesn't look quite real, you know, and it's time for you to take on your spiritual body which is healthy. It doesn't, uh, it's young, it's vibrant. 
uh, it doesn't get sick or anything like that. There's no more of this thing about you're recovering from broken bones, nothing like that. And you're ready to start going outside and meeting all the people who've been waiting to see you. This is one of the reasons that uh, somebody say they, they lose a, a child and they, they immediately go to a medium you know, after the funeral and say, I want to connect with my child. And the medium says, they're not available. Um, it may be because they're in one of these sham hospitals for a while and they're, they're recuperating. And so they're, they're not ready to communicate. Okay. That's why I, I was wondering that. So I know you talk about Vegas. So, yeah. uh, one of the questions I like to ask people is let's say you're in Vegas and you have an office on the strip uh-huh. and there's some other, you know, there, there, there's the stage psychics or whatever you want to call them. You know, they have offices too. How do you convince people to use your services instead of theirs? Well, it's, uh, I would say number one is, is who, who are you comfortable with? Uh-huh. Uh, but it's also nice to get referrals. Uh, something I do a lot, uh, there, there's a, a guy who died a few years ago. His name is David Hawkins. He wrote a lot of books. And one of his really classic books is called Power Versus Force. And in it, he has a number scale called the Level of Consciousness Scale. And he wrote that book and created that scale so the average person out there could do muscle testing on their own with a pendulum or however to come up with a level of consciousness for other things that they're considering, whether uh-huh. it's getting a reading, going to a seminar, uh, going to an ashram in, in India, anything like that. Buying a car, you know, is this the right car for me? And uh, I use that extensively where I muscle test on my hands, kind of like this, where um, my, my finger either sticks on my thumbnail for yes or true and slides off for weak or false or no. And uh, so I use that scale and uh, basically, I use 280 out of a thousand for, excuse me, for the yes threshold. And uh, if I'm going to get a reading from somebody, uh, I want them to test at 330 or above. But mm-hmm. I, I, I've even gotten a little bit finer. So I, I check the level of consciousness of that person. I check what is the highest level of consciousness of that person in the last 90 days because. I see this as being a dynamic number. David Hawkins thought it was static, but I think it's dynamic. I think your number goes down when you go to Walmart and when you're sitting at home meditating, it goes up. So I want to know their current value, the highest in the last 90 days. And then the third one is I ask, what is the level of consciousness for them providing a quality reading for me? I mean, they, they could be 400 on their level and their quality of their reading for me is 250. And it's like, there's just not a fit there for some reason. And so I, I encourage people to find secondary ways of, of doing this. Um, and, and I would never say that there's a direct correlation between cost of using somebody's services and the value they're going to provide. I know some very humble people who charge wonderfully low rates and uh, they, they're just top of their game in terms of mediumship or trans mediumship or, uh-huh. or channeling. And I know other people who charge $600 for a half hour phone call and um, not for me, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, my, my price for, for clearing isn't very high. Back when I was first doing this, I charged $60 for a clearing and I ran into a young, young pup at a metaphysical bookstore and the owner said, Dave, you want to meet this guy and I'll just call him Jim. 
I just uh -huh. Venus and and uh, I get talking. So Jim, you do clearings? Oh yeah, yeah. And and we talk for a few minutes. And I said, uh, so um, how how much business do you do? And what what do you charge? And he goes, Well, I think I'm very fair because I only charge twelve hundred dollars. And this Whoa. was this was about ten years ago, and I was charging sixty dollars. And he was clearing maybe uh, one fourth of what I had on my worksheet. And and so. You know, it's it's all over the map. Um, you know, some some warning signs for uh, clearing is uh, the universe likes to uh, attack hubris on people using their spiritual gifts, uh, and this applies to healers. You know, if I go in to see a healer and uh, I describe what I have, and they say, "I know one system. The system works on everything, and it will help you. It will cure you." I, I'd run out of the room uh, because. The universe has a way of slapping people down like that. There is not one system that works on everybody. It's highly dependent on your internal core beliefs about what is effective and other factors which you aren't aware of. Uh, so I think every healer ought to know a number of techniques. I, I know about 10 modalities for healing. Uh, but another thing is to say uh, this works on everything. There is no system that works on everything. Right. There are spiritual factors on why some people will never heal. They're going to die, and that is their form of spiritual healing. Uh -huh. They are not going to recover. I don't care you know, who comes through. It's not part of the plan. Uh -huh. and, and then, you know, so the system doesn't work on everything, and one size doesn't fit all. And then third one is, and it will take care of your condition. Once again, the universe has a funny way of teaching that. Uh, that healer a little lesson in humility by not having it work on something that it's worked on 10 times before. Well. So, you know, anybody who promises these results, you know, I talk to people about clearings, especially when they're in tough positions. And I say, you know, I will do my best. I will be there. If the initial clearing process doesn't work, I will contribute uh, some more free time to working on finding out what's going on. And I said, Ultimately, sometimes it just, uh, there may be a bigger problem. I may need to send you to somebody else. I may need to think about it. I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm not going to promise anything. I'm going to do my best to, to help them. I, I've never run into a doctor that gives a guarantee. And I've never run into a doctor that says, I guarantee this so well that if it doesn't work the first time, all my future visits are free and you can keep coming back. I've never had that happen either with a doctor, you know, and, um, uh, you know, so as, as a professional in this, I, I also see as being true for me is, uh, you know, I, I'm never going to promise results. I'm going to do my best. And I generally had good success in the past. Have, has it been 100 percent? No, uh, I, I've had some tough ones and uh, I have just had to finally get to a point where uh, I don't think I can help you. Uh -huh. And, you know, we, we just uh, work that out. But it's. Uh, so I, that's what also some other ways I'd help discriminate some of these people. Um, there are some true charlatans out there. I mean, uh, you know, one of the old style ones out of, uh, I won't use the name because it's considered to be uh, derogatory, but some, some people who do fortune reading from middle or from the Eastern Europe. Um, but if somebody says, Oh, I see that your jewelry is cursed and that diamond ring is in particular is really bad. So you need to send me the diamond ring and I'll take the curses off of, uh, run out of the room. You know, that's, uh, you know, it's, uh, a lot of people out there have big hearts when they go to seek these services. And if you get a charlatan, uh, the first warning sign is that they try to make you dependent on them and they try to 
try to keep you coming back and paying more and more money uh, for the service. And uh, that, that's a big warning sign. Um, you know, my, my clearings are flat rate. I don't say, oh, my goodness, the sheet is full of stuff. I need to add another 500 bucks to uh, my, my cost of my clearing. You know, I don't do that. It's, uh, it, it just is what it is. That is really cool. You know what? This hour blew by. I, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> this Time was a blast. Fly. This yeah. was a blast. And yeah. I would like to have you on in the future, sir. I'd, I'd love be to. happy to come back. This has been Fantastic. Fun. It's been really fun. And thank you so much. Like I told you guys in the beginning, Dave was supposed to come on November 10th, and he came on for me early. He had an opening. Thank the Lord. The, whoever was controlling whoever was controlling the universe today so i really appreciate it. how can people find you sir uh the best way is to go to www.davethemystic.com and uh, i have a box there that if you'd like if you look at my stuff look at my videos uh, want one of my services uh, there's a contact box there please use that and uh, on that i very specifically ask for things like what time zone are you in? What are good times to contact you? I don't have a receptionist or a secretary or anybody like that. It's just me. And uh, right now uh, I'm kind of swamped because I was on a coast to coast radio recently. And uh, I'm, I have a lot of inquiries coming out of my ears. So just uh, get on there, send me it. And uh, I won't lose track of you and I will contact you and we'll get something scheduled. It's maybe out a little ways now. All right. Well, thank you so much again for coming on, and uh, hopefully we can get you back on at some point because that, this was terrific. I had a blast. Thank you. Me too. And you I take care, and uh, all the best to all your listeners. Thank you, sir. Have a thank good one. You. Bye. All right. That was uh, Dave the Mystic, and uh, we're definitely going to get him back on again because I still want to pick his brain. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for listening tonight and coming out. It's the first night we've had this thing run smooth in a while. <laughs> With audio and stuff. Um, if you like, oh, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Look at that. Um, Monday, we have a. We're going to change gears a little bit in that we're going to be talking about um, abuse, abuse and trauma. And I have a woman coming on, Sandra Coos, and you know how I am about names. I even messed up Dave's name. But uh, Sandra's going to be on. I'm rubbing against this mic. I'm sorry, this mic cable. Um, Sandra Cruz is going to be on with us Monday, and she works with trauma cases, uh, people that have been sexually abused, uh, verbally abused, that kind of thing, and other, other types of trauma cases for a living. And she's going to come on and talk to us about that and how people can, over, you know, can work towards overcoming the trauma, not overcome the trauma completely, but you know, work towards overcoming that trauma. So she's going to be on with us on Monday at 6.30, our usual time. Again, next month, we are going to go four shows a week, we hope, if I can get the bookings. <laughs> I had a little setback with, with, with my foot the last couple of days, so uh, tonight I get to start going back to work and uh, trying to get people booked in. Um, if you like the show, share it. Share it with five people. If you didn't like the show, share it with five people anyway. Share it with your enemies. We're looking to get as many uh, listeners as we can. And we appreciate everybody we've got. Like I said, the numbers have been growing, growing, growing. And I thank everybody for that, especially the numbers for the podcast. Because after I get off the air, what I do is I go and I convert this over to podcast and then I upload it. And it, it goes out to Apple Podcasts and, and Google and all those other good places. Um, you know, you see that thing flashing at the bottom too. The California Haunts team is a nonprofit team. And uh, 
it gets pricey doing stuff like this and buying new equipment and stuff, even even the radio equipment that we use. So PayPal adopt me at California Haunts, you know, just a small donation would be nice. I feel like the KVIE people, you know, when they're doing the really cool shows, they're on there and the phones are ringing in the background. Well, that's how we are in a way, you know, where we have to have that funding to, to keep this quality programming coming. So if you could find it in your heart to donate to PayPal.me at California Haunts, that would be great. Also, we have issues with our YouTube channel in that we need a certain amount of people to, su to subscribe before we can have a dedicated URL. And uh, we're a little below that now, but we're getting closer. And if you guys would be so kind to go as to go to the website at www.CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com and click on the video on the front page. I'll be updating that the next couple days. And uh, that'll take you over to YouTube. And from there, you can pick whatever video you want to see. It goes back two years, our archives. And click on subscribe. Just subscribe to our videos. That way, uh, the, that way, when I hit that certain number that I need, I'm going to put a dedicated URL so you can you can go directly over there. Anyway, again, I want to thank you. And uh, Sandra Coos is going to be on Monday again to talk about trauma. But I want to thank everybody for coming. And uh, before we go off, we're going to go ahead and show uh, Dave's website so you guys know where to find him. And I'm going to do that right now. See, here we go. See, there he is. DaveTheMystic.com, and now my face is going to pop back up here. <laughs> www.DaveTheMystic.com. Okay, and so I want to again one last thank you to everybody, and I will see you all Monday.